take a load off Danny? Uh, no. I don't it's think so. the uh, For All Mankind TV podcast. I'm Jason Snell, joined as always by comrade Dan Morinsky. I mean, <laughs> it's ironic when somebody changes your name to a Mor- Russian name when you, in fact, have Mordikovich. a... Morkovich. thank you. Yes. Morkovich, yes. Yes. Здравствуйте, uh, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And you put the load right on <laughs> me. <laughs> this episode is called The Wait, and if you don't know the s- titles of songs... Um, from bands from the 70s that that is the, the, the song by the band and that is the song that plays in the middle of the episode in the extended musical break while they're on the moon it's the wait and that's the name of this episode it's not named after the elvis stuff at the end it's named after the mm-hmm. band mm-hmm. more in the middle band um so this is the adventures of tracy on the moon <laughs> Tracy on the Moon, a little bit of uh, a little bit of Gordo at home too. I yeah. think this is a very Tracy Gordo heavy episode, as opposed to we've seen a lot of Ed and Karen, right. I think, up until this point. And now we've really this episode is. I was noticing how little they are in the, Ed and Karen are in this episode. They're in there, but not as much as a normal episode. They're in there. There's uh, there's uh, Karen is unhappy because, of course, in, in episode four, it ended with Ed ejecting. He's uh he's a bit sunburned, windburned yeah. probably. Yeah, probably well, and, and he was out in the Gulf and whatever. I, yeah. I think it's funny that oh. we don't we don't follow up with that. It's just an inciting event for this that he had to eject and he's going to get yelled at and he's fine. That's he's that's going to happen. But uh, but Tracy meanwhile has arrived on the moon and we get her sort of like uh, she gets to be. There's so much here. She gets to be Linus. The mm-hmm. chemist has moonshine. Mm-hmm. Um, she says it looks bigger than I expected, and there's a very funny line that is repeated later, which is, "Well, everybody says that at first. Just wait a couple weeks." And I thought it's like, "Oh boy, yeah, that's right. You're going to be claustrophobic." I thought it was funny that everybody's introducing themselves. I know that that NASA is supposed to be this huge thing with all these different missions and stuff, but I have a hard time. Okay, I have a hard time believing she doesn't know these astronauts, but there is that line about, like, we've met twice that suggests that she should know all these astronauts, and in fact, the problem is that she's so disconnected from the astronaut program because she's become a celebrity astronaut that she doesn't know these people who she should really know. Right. I mean, it, there's a number of things going on here. One, one, there's people kind of going in and out of tours on the moon, right? Sure. So, you know, she may be passing some of these people, but I think you're right that the point is that she's off being a celebrity, and as a result, has become, you know, adrift from the rest of the people in this mm-hmm. program. And I think they also want to convey the fact um, that she, I don't know that she necessarily totally feels like she's too good for it. But, like, they definitely want to convey the fact that she's a little bit hoity-toity, right? Uh-huh. Like, and she's not paying attention to what she's supposed to be paying attention to. And it's the Tracy show. And... I you know that that's the the we've met twice moment is certainly drills yeah. that home right yeah, we, like where it's like and we all know those we all know people we all know people that we've met who are like yes we've we've met before and they're like oh whatever <laughs> like, yeah right you know yeah it's nice to meet you I won't remember the next time either yes, exactly well and she's got I mean she's a veteran but she hasn't flown in a long time and she hasn't been to the moon and so there's this right. other aspect of it which is like the moon she's still the Linus even though she's a, a senior astronaut in a lot of ways she hasn't right. done it in a while I think that creates some real um 
sort of like uh, skepticism of her. People haven't worked with her. She has been this remote figure, probably some jealousy involved there too. Also, we get that moment that I think is really great uh, to lay on top of, you know, we've met twice, which is uh, the young astronaut says, you know, you changed my life and Molly Cobb and you and all. And it's very clearly also getting across the passage of time from season one that these, these characters we knew in season one are the old guard. And now there are people who are astronauts who looked up to them when they were kids and that's another separation she's got between a lot of the people on it's tough because i feel like in some ways they've i mean you know they've done less aging on tracy than some of the other cast and so when that conversation happened i was like she can't be that much older than that guy though yeah. like, well <laughs> it's it's a challenge this show has that i mostly i mostly um forgive them for because i like yeah. the ambition of it and you do occasionally see they make an effort to make ed look a little bit older like or grayer, karen look a little bit older and right, grayer or, and all of that but, <laughs> yes so um but just another reminder of the passage of time however good news they have days of the days of our lives on the moon Mm-hmm. You know, it's, there's a little uh there's a little a- 80s days of our lives happening in the background of one shot i think i saw bo brady yeah, back a, there whoever uh who was it whoever's the most senior whoever's the most time on the moon gets to pick the show yeah hi bob um yeah I enjoyed along that. It, they uh, i mean there there's a lot of stuff going on in this episode and i what i enjoyed the oh, most man. about it was this this experience of what it's really like this is the first time we've got sort yeah. of the, this is what's like the daily life on the moon right there's the the scrambled eggs in the MREs. Oh, man. And, oh, God. And yeah, just the repeated, like in the montage, right? Slapping it down. And that's so great. Good. Great sound effects work. Whoever did that, it is sounds about the most unappealing thing that you could ever eat. And she's really, you know, she's trying to stick it out there for a while. And then there's a moment where it kind of all collapses, right? Where she's sort of like, yep, hit me up with the moonshine. And uh, you know what? I can't sleep. I got to tape up my vent. And you know what? I'm dying for a cigarette. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and in one that's, of the moments, that's, boy, that's in that's a, moment, a bad idea, right? Oh and my she god, doesn't Kat get in and I were sitting it. there. Cat and I were sitting there, like yelling her the screen because we were convinced that she was going to start a fire or something. We're like, no, 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 don't, don't do it, don't do it. And then she goes into the airlock, yeah, and basically exhales yeah. into the the vacuum uh, tube or whatever, um, which I thought was. I, I too thought that was going to be a bigger deal and ended up not being. It ended up being no. the uh, the taping the air vent shut that yeah. the, that sort of exactly screws right. her in the end. Yeah, there's so. I mean, this is this is the bulk of the episode is is this, and it is great because we get to see what the moon is like. We can also see her unraveling, and I think it's interesting because her unraveling is different than Gordo's unraveling, but it's still her unraveling, and she's used her marriage and her fame as mm-hmm. kind of armor. And here on the moon, we see her really in one episode really get stripped down and uh all of her armor gets gets pushed off of her and you know she's left with nothing at the end as she says it's just so empty (laughs) right like yeah this is it's not just space and the moon she's talking about she's talking about her own life at that point and everything that has set her apart is also used sort of as you know turns out to be that double-edged sword right there's that first scene where you know she's getting interviewed by johnny carson and everybody's standing around and they all are super excited about it and then later in the episode she's you know 
a few weeks later or whatever, given an update and people are rolling their eyes and, you know, yeah. sort of walking around and, and they leave the, uh, the space Barbie doll for her on the bed. Well, and she, it's like, she hasn't proved herself as a professional. Exactly. So while she's a celebrity, she hasn't proved herself as a professional. I think it's interesting. We do get the scene, uh, that, you know, they, they do the thing where she doesn't take flying the, the lunar module thing, the lunar hopper, uh, seriously, and then very quickly is disabused of that notion that she knows what she's doing, even though she has been a good a good pilot before. It is a wild stallion. She does have to figure it out. But, you know, as as it goes on, you see her flying around and she's gotten a lot better at this. So right. you, you can see that she might be settling in a earning little. some professional respect yeah. there but that's the challenge is that she needs to earn something that she probably thinks she's owed and meanwhile she's got this high profile and you know if you are doing all the work on the moon and then there's this person who's on the moon with you who's not doing the work but she gets all the credit and the fame i get how that would be yet yeah, another thing putting a, a gap between her yeah it's really interesting stuff i also want to mention the johnny carson stuff is fun i thought that they handled it really well i thought the dialogue was was very good like his cracks were very carson um, I also really love the scene where there's, <laughs> there's, there, there's the exchange where it's like, I bet Ron and Nancy tuned in for that. And the guy says, I like Letterman. <laughs> yes, I knew you would enjoy that. I laughed pretty hard at it. Thought that was a nice moment. It was great, but um, we get the, the weight, the weight montage, and it really is her working hard, doing unglamorous stuff, plus yeah. all those interviews and trying to combine them all, and and then she has her her rock bottom, which is the CO two alert, which everybody knows is her. And the commander finds out that she's been drinking the moonshine, uh, which you know that was Chekhov's bottle of moonshine uh, earlier in the episode, and you know I I I think it's a good. Again, we talk about, like, are these good decisions or bad decisions that people make? I think the, the commander of the mission it makes a good decision in giving her one more chance because that's, that's it. It's like you've reached the end. You've hit rock bottom. There's nowhere to go from up. And he's like, no more interviews, which I'm like, I, NASA probably has something to say about that. But, like, no more interviews. You're going to be hot racking it, you know. And, and at a moment where I had to struggle to muster up a lot of sympathy for Tracy, honestly, because, you know, she... She was riding high and on her fame and not really having to put in the work and not taking her job seriously. And we've seen that. But at the same time, um, this is this is her hitting rock bottom. And, and then she has to figure out how to come back from it, which I think is interesting. Yeah. The line that I always think of when I'm watching this and a lot of the show in general is the uh, it's um, Star Trek four, I want to say where uh kirk points out that he's from iowa but he works in space yeah and i always think of that as like yeah they're just it's a, still a job right they're yeah. in space and they're on the moon but it is you know probably the so closest she's a thing. truck driver right exactly right i mean it's very close to probably a being on like a, pilot, like a yeah. submarine or something in some ways right because you're in this mm -hmm. enclosed environment and right you know you've, you're stuck with these people and you can't really go outside very much she does get a few moments here where she gets to sort of go out and be on her own but right and talk clearly to, talk a rarity Deke's, Deke's talk grave. to Deke. Deke's Deke's grave memorial. The, um, um yeah, there's so. there's also uh the the wrap-up of this set, which is, I think, the bulk of the episode, is when the uh, the new people come uh, with with their guns, right? Um, yes, I think that's towards the end. Uh, and, and there's the, or, do, I, yeah. do I have to go by Linus? And she says, you'll get used to it. And it's like, finally, that is the coming full circle, right? Where she's it, sort of figured out maybe her place in the after all of this. So we get the standalone kind of story of Tracy coming to the moon being all that and then being brought low and then kind of like 
resolving to be a team player by the end, which I kind of like not extending that. Like we got to see the whole cycle of her figuring out um, where she fits on the moon. Yeah, she's she's still not happy. She looks very, you know, worn around the edges and stuff, but she's she's learned to cope. And that's kind of what it's about. Is it here, too? I think that we see there's a bit somewhere with the ants. Oh yeah, yeah. There's an, an infestation, which I I love because it harkens back to Gordo's uh, uh, hallucinations. Yes, uh, and and point like, <laughs> there were ants there all along. Yeah, yes. um, but uh-huh. I, I enjoyed that a bit. Like, and it, because it's a moment of sort of connection between them, which is like she's also kind of kind of losing it a little bit yeah. but in a different way and i think it, it draws some you know a simpatico relationship between her and gordo right because like not hard to imagine that she was not super sympathetic necessarily to his experiences uh just not having gone through it and now she's kind of going through the same thing and different results but you know same same crucible mm-hmm. in some ways yeah no it's just it's a different kind of being messed up but it's the uh it's the same result, right? Um, let's talk about Ed and Karen next, mm. maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, Karen is mad <laughs> about the Ed ejection. It's not just like, I'm so relieved you're okay. It's like nothing about this is okay, um, which right. I think is interesting. There's a lot of uh, kind of uh, anger after after their big family conversation, right? There's still this idea that he's he's going out there and risking... Uh, himself and that she's she's right. even though she told him it's going to be different this time and yeah. i've got the bar and all of that it clearly still weighs heavily on her we have the scene where she and kelly are sitting at the table in the you know middle of the night basically waiting for the phone to ring and her explaining like this is what it was like right like this is what it was like when he was on the moon um and you know, you can tell that even though she's nominally okay with it, it's still something that weighs heavily on her. It's the weight, if you will. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, but I think it's 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 good because it's a complexity. I think there was no way that even with her sort of putting up a good front about, I will be okay, I'll deal with it, it's going to be fine, I have all these other things to occupy me. It's still a reminder, too, of the fact that, like, the you know, something terrible, a terrible tragedy happened to them while he was away. And there's a whole association playing in with that, too. So, you know, it's a complex situation to be in. I also know it. I think think they have French toast on the table there, which I love. They're, like, up at 3 a.m. And, like, I can imagine the, yeah, there's nothing better to do. Might as well make some French toast. We'll sit here and wait for the phone to ring. I love it. That's what I would do. Uh, Ed gets uh, chewed out by Molly. And then she's Mm -hmm. like, basically, don't let it happen again and leaves. And Payne and Marco are like, what the hell? And uh, she says, well, I'm in charge of the astronaut office, right? Like, it's Ed. I'm, what, what do you want me to do? Uh, you know, it'll be fine. And and uh, for the next few months, these these are my people, and uh, you're not going to tell me what to do. And she leaves, which is uh, interesting, because that's her attitude is basically like she's untouchable, which uh, is she? I don't know. But mm-hmm. um, what was really interesting is when she says for the next few months, you, Payne and Margo both kind of like... Yeah have a look a, which is like yep. because she's given away a piece of information that uh that she, she, she didn't she does not to. plan to stay yep, yeah exactly right she's she's overplayed her hand a little bit yep. i like that scene a lot because she doesn't in front of them i mean she she chews them out right like you know she doesn't i don't think she pulls her punches when it comes to essentially yelling at them um but right. oh yeah end of the day you know 
she's not going to do anything more severe. It's a, that's a, a fun scene too. And I enjoy every angle of it. I mean, Molly is a, it's exactly, exactly. You know, we've discussed her decision-making in, in the previous parts of this season, right. but everything that she does is very consistent with who she is, Oh yeah, which, yeah. which I really love about her. And you get that moment where Ed is like, look, you know, basically like I put you that you have my job and, and she's like, well, it's not your job anymore. Right. Like right. Now, exactly. now this is the downside of assigning yourself a mission and stepping away from the head of the astronaut offices. You're not, you don't have that power anymore. I have that power over you. And so she could, you know, kick him out and that would just be, he'd just have to live with it because that he stepped, he stepped down. I mean, yep. the, the problem I have with this is that it's, and I think they're like playing loose a little bit with the drama here. Cause the fact is that there is somebody in charge of the head of the astronaut office. And that person is ultimately the person responsible. This is like Deke was in charge and then, uh, and then Alan Shepard was in charge below Deke. And then there was also a NASA person above, above Deke, right in the real world. And so the one problem I have with this is if, if Molly just immediately, uh, cut ed and said you're never flying and i'm just gonna make you hang out to dry presumably ed would go to whoever his boss was and say um Mm. we need to get rid of molly and put me back in charge and that probably that person would say yes (laughs) right Mm. it's not like she's constitutionally separated from authority and we may we may yet see that the looks suggest perhaps that we may yet see that i don't know i mean politically moving against the head of the astronaut office is a different thing but um it's not like it goes from her to ronald reagan it's not really how it works oh sure yeah no i I mean i think she probably was overextending her authority a little bit but she also was willing to sort of gamble right she's she's playing her hand and saying like you know uh, essentially these are my people and i think it's implicit in that like you can go above my head if you want you know you are the administrator right of of nasa like in theory i assume sure. the administrator of nasa is the boss they could do whatever they want but know that essentially if you start undercutting you're, my authority you're messing around uh, with all the astronauts and you're exactly. gonna have trouble and you're yeah. gonna pay is it worth it so yep exactly and i mean do they they want them reprimanded but at the same time as they point out it's it's ed baldwin right yeah. like it's like <laughs> yeah what, what, are you, you and what are you gonna do i think i think it is a strong argument to be made that like i know you want there to be more consequences here but what exactly would they be we all know that you're not gonna take ed baldwin and kick him out you you know that if ed baldwin is non pathfinder nasa isn't stronger so right. let's stop pretending and i you know Mol, that is very molly cop right She's like, yeah. I'm going to yell at you, but uh, I'm not going to waste any more of any of our time on this because it's not worth it. Like, we all know the deal here. So get back to work and don't do this again. And that's and, and honestly, I was extrapolating that to to life in general, which is there's a lot of stuff that is performative <laughs> that <Sure>. is unnecessary. <laughs> right. And I kind of admire people who are like, all right you know this was stupid don't do it again you know i i could put on a performance here you could put on a performance here or we could both i could just look you in the eye and be like that was stupid don't do it again okay get out of here and and i think it's kind of refreshing i think right that, and if you do do it again then then you're done then right you're, like yeah that's the, i mean that's you're on notice you know thing, it right and right they know same, it. right they, same, exactly same as tracy right yes they, they realize that they are you know yeah you, you get one right and then that's that that's was it, it. you, you yep. bought you bought your uh, nasa training jet you buy it sort of <laughs> um uh later at the bar kelly is uh being regaled with tales of the naval academy which is kind of fun ed comes in 
uh, and says to Karen, hey, the Wrath of Khan is playing. <laughs> Want to go catch a late show? Another another great stuff. And she says, now Kelly and I saw it last week. Uh, Spock dies at the end. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. that <laughs> oh, she's thought, so mad. I, she's I, I, so I mad. At, I looked at Kat and I was like, that was ice cold. Oh, my God. Like, uh, and uh, Spock I, dies. For, Oh God, wait! What a way to play it. I I enjoyed Ron Moore. I, you know, and and Joe Manoski, who co-wrote this episode, who is a Star Mm. Trek veteran. If anybody remembers Darmok of the Next Generation, that was Joe Manoski. He he co-wrote this episode. Getting the Star Trek reference in there, great. Uh, Although I will say, it does it does uh, uh, you know. It does eliminate the headcanon that this is the pre-Star Trek universe and Star Trek exists well, in this universe. Right. Yeah. Well, it does. I mean, there's no... In the Star Trek canon, like, there's a nuclear war in the 80s, so... We have a hate. I guess. It still happen. <laughs> I, I guess. But there's also... There are also, like, genetic supermen in the 70s, right? So right. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, oh. they're, it's not quite right. But it's like... Uh, yeah. It's not literally Star Trek that they're going to. Right. It's just right. uh, figuratively Star Trek. Um Later in the bar, there is a a story that, or, or there's a, a scene that I really like that leads into the final scene of this episode, um, which is uh, the older of Tracy and Gordo's sons, the one who's at the Naval Academy, uh, tells a story about going over to a sleepover at uh, with Shane. He t- mm-hmm. tells Karen and tells it's a fun story about how she shouted really loud, you go to bed, and then whispered, just keep it down, boys, which actually thematically is like what we were just talking about, right? Which mm-hmm. is, you've got to bellow the, like, don't let this happen again, uh, but you know, everybody knows that the real message is, don't make trouble. <laughs> right, right. Don't get yeah. me in trouble, don't make trouble, don't get it's, caught, he, don't get found out, that's really all that matters here. So, he it's a similar thing. for saying, uh, dang it, or something? Yes, you dang know, it. Something, <laughs> dang it, just... Yeah, pretty tame. Yeah. Pretty tame stuff. I was very glad. So we had the scene, I want to say it was last week or two weeks ago, where they share the joint out the, behind the restaurant. Oh, yeah. Uh, Karen and Danny, right? Um, and right. Yes. Boy, right. I was super, again, soap opera me was worried like, oh, no, they're not going to have him like make a pass it or something. <laughs> Like, because they like the, the vibe was like a slightly odd. Well, again, again, the ages the ages are closer than they actually are in the show right. because of exactly. the because the actors were playing younger and now they're playing older. But yeah, it's no, it's she's she's uh he first off he's an upstanding navy yes. uh, naval right. academy and guy he's scared and, to death and her husband is the admiral. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes, he <laughs> makes um, that clear. Admiral Stevens is how he refers to but, him all of the time. There is a uh, there is a clear. I think some of what it does put to light is the fact that she provided sort of a surrogate mother, I think, angle, right? Like if Tracy was yeah. herring off doing all these celebrity things, right? Well, like and, maybe, and, and, and being an astronaut in the first around. place, right? She, she right, had to leave exactly. her kids uh, in order to be an astronaut. So so Karen being sort of the stand-in for that, I think, is is, you know sort of what this what this relationship is right like it's it's sort of his his surrogate mother or the mother he he may he mentions like that she was you know one of the coolest the cool moms right like or like the good moms and i think it points to you know tracy not really being there necessarily uh in the way that perhaps he would have liked his mother to be there uh and that's sort of the relationship that spins out there and then also following up the conversation that we had last week i thought this was a really nice really well done just a really good scene which is you know one time i came 
I came in looking for Shane and you were dancing alone to Elvis. Um, and she laughs about that. And it's just like a, it's like a memory from that time. And then he says, and I, I, I just, I thought this was beautiful, which is this, this kid who is not in their family. Um, but was a friend of Shane's says, I still think about Shane pretty much every day. That's the dividing line in my life is, Mm. is before and after Shane died. And, you know, she says mine too, but it's just, it's a, I I like that. That's a, the people sharing their grief. They have this unspoken up until that moment thing that they all have in common, which is the loss of, of Shane. And then she goes home and puts Elvis on the record player and dances in the living room. Yeah. He compares it to the BCAD divide, which I thought was, yeah, I, again, the monumental nature of that. And and a lot of us have that in our lives, right? Like maybe maybe it's not a death or something, but like that fundamental sort of dividing line between, you know, things were different after that. And I think it's uh, illuminating to get that perspective from somebody outside of the family, right? Because we've seen, we've seen a bit about that, like Ed and Karen and their reactions to it and like hearing a little bit about that. And like we had the scene with Kelly, but Kelly never really, you know, Kevin Kelly never knew Shane, right? Like she saw only the after. Uh, and so getting the outside of the family perspective on that is an interesting, it's an interesting angle. The, uh, let's see what else, what else is in this episode? We get, uh, we, we get have Alita, uh, um, yeah. gets to Johnson's school, Johnson space center, JSC. Um, and shouts uh, in the mission control, shouts F yeah in the mission control observation area, which I think is a really good moment that as as testy as she is, we also know just how in awe of NASA she has right. been from the beginning. Um, and, and then she meets with the guy who's her manager and he's like, tell me your story. She's, I don't have a story. So, well, super cagey and you like, pa- you basically passed, not you know, saying there, anything. There were a hundred applicants and, and they said you. So anyway, she's on Apollo Soyuz. She is also on the, the low priority uh, PR mission of Apollo Soyuz, but she's been assigned to that. So that's our, that's our Alita update uh, for this week. I think that's all we get from her. Um, and we get, I do we, I think she's shown to like the, her office at one point and just sort of told like, all right, just, yeah. <laughs> Get to work. Get to work. It. Yeah. So we're going to get follow, follow that up uh, next time. But uh, um, we also have, uh, I think we have Ellen. Yeah. So Ellen's, Ellen's story. We yes. have Ellen and Gordo left to go. Plus a little bit. Actually, I'll just throw it in here a little bit, which is oh, the ongoing can... season plot, which is Molly and the rules of engagement on the moon. And Molly can't see it clearly because she's still suffering medical effects from being mm-hmm. bombarded with radiation. Um, and so she's like, you read it. But it is... Um, it is the rules of engagement about when they're going to use weapons on the moon because they've got these rifles, moon rifles, that those guys are going to oh, take yeah. up, which they do, and they say hi, and one of them gets to be the Linus and all of that. But like that that season arc of um, militarization and threat of, of military action on the right. moon is is ratcheting up here, too. The, the, the rules of engagement are essentially you're not to fire upon anybody unless you feel like they're acting with hostile intent. And everyone's yes. like, what does that what mean? Does that mean? <laughs> So you, you figure it out, we're basically. Left, we're left with Ellen and Gordo. So Ellen, right, goes to the the poetry reading because she got the book of poetry. And so uh, she meets Pam and Pam's partner. Oh, sigh. And yet there is a moment where oh, no. Pam comes back and says, would it be weird to get a drink sometime? It's like, aha. <laughs> 
And then they're at the bar having a drink. Uh, and uh, Karen says hi, which is nice. Nice touch, right? Because she used to be the bartender at that bar and everybody knows Pam. She tries to convince her to come back and bartend. And she's like, like no, nope, not a like, chance. Yep, that's that's right. That's the right answer. Not a chance. And then there's, did you figure out which poem was about you? Took me a long time to write that. You know, but it's, again, trying to press on us that this didn't happen last year. It was nine years ago. It was a long time ago. I finally got my uh, stuff together. Um, and then there's that, well, I guess this is a goodbye cut to they're having sex. So <laughs> yeah. it's not actually goodbye. Surprise. Surprise. Oh, I love I love seeing Pam, actually, because I like that actress. And I think that that's uh, I She's loved good. her last season and I've missed her because that was that was she was such a part of the flavor of the show to have the bartender at that. But uh, uh, she's back, I guess, at least a little bit, because here she is uh, with Ellen and, and uh, she's been so sad. And so <laughs> just like doing nothing but work and, you know. Larry gets to go to the disco and she's just tired. I said, I think I said that last time. She's just tired and she's tired. She, Larry she's disco, all, alone. Way, great band. Larry. Yeah, sure. With an exclamation point after Larry. With an exclamation Larry. Point. Yeah. <laughs> Larry at, at the, the disco. disco. Um, uh, yeah, I think this is a, it's a nice moment and it's not, you know, um, I think, you know, spinning out sort of again, these relationships, which are, uh, gonna be we know we're gonna be a challenge right like we know based on what we saw last season and it's been nine years but again we talked about like it does not seem like the mores have relaxed to that point where this would be something that nasa would be okay with necessarily but i think you know the implication being we're gonna have to find out at some point right like that's we're gonna have to she's gonna have to make a decision again about whether or not she's willing to sort of come uh, come out as as who she is um and that's going to be a lot more of a a present issue uh, when she has somebody in her life potentially um so i think it's going to be interesting to see exactly how that plays out but it's great they have great chemistry those two actors um it's a lot of fun and uh i like seeing how they how they've evolved yeah yeah for sure It, it is the open question of like what what are the um, the mores of these 80s mm-hmm. and what happens. We, we don't seem to be having the witch hunt that we had in season one. Right. Yep. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there won't be. But maybe it will, right? I mean, we, we've seen that some in some aspects of, of uh, the social dynamics of this world are uh, quite different from ours. And in other ways, they are not at all. So it remains to be seen um, whether this... You know, where is this going and if this is going to an issue with Ellen having to make a decision about, you know, about Pam or about whether she wants to be out or not. Like there's Mm -hmm. a lot uh, in there along with and I heard this feedback from some some uh, um, listeners and I'm not sure whether we mentioned it last time or not. But there's also the hovering over this is that it's the Reagan era and that means it's the AIDS era. And uh, several people pointed out, does that mean that, you know, or is the show going to address that given that yeah, I think Larry we, and his I think boyfriend... Yeah, talked a little bit about that, yeah. Larry, so that's out there. Larry and his boyfriend are, uh, are again, Larry at the disco. So yep. uh, is that is that something the show wants to address in some way? I don't, I don't know, but uh, there's a lot there. Uh, but it was great to see Pam again. So there's that. And Ellen agrees with me. <laughs> it's great, great to see Pam. Um and that leaves us with Gordo, Dan. Oh, boy. Oh, Gordo. Uh, I a... thought this was, it's, it's, I don't know. It is sad, but at this point, it's almost it's, funny. Yeah, it really rides that line of being like, 
he's not okay, but oh, he's trying he, so he, hard, right? Like we had him be sad last last week. He was super sad, right? But this week he's trying to be less sad, not entirely succeeding, but trying, and it's and it's kind of charming and funny. So you know he's working out. He's, he's watering cleaning up the house. He's cleaning up the house. He's watering the plants. The yeah. sons are like, "Are you okay, Dad?" He's in a closet uh, with oh, a space helmet scene. on. It's all the part of the training, scene. son. All part of the training, son. That, that <laughs> scene was just like, a, "Oh no, I, I guess that's good, is it?" I don't know what's happening. Oh, and then finally, I mean, they had the, the scene in the pool. So he's down in the bottom of the pool, and you know, again trying to like fight off his claustrophobia and all of that. And uh, he comes up, and the, the kids are there. The sons are there. And it's one of those moments of like, you okay, dad, which is great. And and he doesn't say it. He's like, eh. but um, if, if for anybody who has seen Patriot, that's the moment where he should really say pretty good, <laughs> which is in Patriot. Uh, it, it, he's not pretty good. <laughs> he's, he's a disaster. And he always answers, how are you doing? Pretty good. So here, Gordo pretty good it's like is it working not as well as i not, like not, yes and then he tells a story which is just like it's not always going to be okay boys shit happens you can't control <laughs> like wow yeah. oh yeah Gordo. that's a uh, parent parenting of the year again yeah i realized um, i was weak and i'm trying to burn that from my head and then they have a pool yeah. party and yeah, well, the uh, uh, Danny pushes his brother into the pool. Yep. Pool party. It's shenanigans. It's nice. Horseplay. Yeah. That's the horseplay you're not supposed to do around a pool, right, by the exactly. way. Right, exactly. There it is. Uh, but, but it's touching because yep. his sons are genuinely concerned about him. They're looking as out they, for him. Yes, as they should be. They should be. Absolutely. But they are, they are three-dimensional, especially the older son, you know, three-dimensional characters we've seen in other scenes in this. Like, they, they're they're real people, perhaps even future astronaut material. Who knows? But... um. But yeah, so they're trying to figure out what the heck is going on with their dad. Right. And, and that's, some of that is interspersed with um, Tracy's montage, right? Like, so we get a scene where right, he's like getting fitted again. Yeah, yes, he's also he's, carrying the weight here along with, right, uh, along with Tracy. Yeah. And, and it's, but it's the, there's a bit of, you know, I like that because it's actually, the way it's interleaved, you know, there's some tension there, right? She's dealing with the reality and he's dealing with his own reality of like, I'm, I'm have, I have to go do this. I have to go to space and I need to be in shape and I need to get over, uh, you know, what's been plaguing me. And, you know, it's sort of, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Tracy was sort of on a slide down from her high to her rock bottom, as you said, and he's coming back up from rock bottom, hopefully, or at least trying to climb up that hill. Uh, and so maybe they'll meet somewhere in the middle, I guess. More to more to come from Gordo, but it is interesting to see that he is trying to trying to dig his way out of that hole. And then, uh, although you know, again, Tracy sort of ends up in a better place at the end. Um than she was at the beginning she sort of works yeah. through it and he's yeah. trying to do that too i mean i think we could have put money down that there was going to be a uh gordo tries to get uh his act together yep montage and this is where we get it so yeah. all right the only other option was you starting in if he starts in position a you know there wasn't that much farther for him to go down no <laughs> like where no. we saw him at the beginning of the season he was at the bottom overall I thought this episode was uh, doing a lot of heavy lifting, and although I really like kind of Tracy's journey, it was it was weighty. You got to lift the weight. Uh, I don't know. I thought this episode wasn't as good as the first few were. Um, I think it's got its moments, but I think it was a little bit slower. Uh, but again, I, I appreciate all the work that it has to do here. It has to tell the complete story of Tracy, essentially, on the moon. Um to get her to a better place. Uh, you know, I thought it was good. 
I, I I just I think that maybe some of the earlier episodes have been have been better, but I thought it was a good I episode. Think, uh, what I what I liked about it was the that that life what life looks like on the moon. I thought yes. that was the most we got Agreed. out of that. Like because we've seen little bits and pieces of it, but it's you know this really I think drove home how different it was well, from what we saw in season one, what, what, where it was just you know the three or maybe even just Ed. Right? <laughs> if there are two things that I feel like this show really has withheld from us. It's what is life like on the moon at the lunar base, mm-hmm. which I know it's yeah. episode five, but like there's been this question all along of like, okay, moon base, what is that like where we get, we get it finally here. And then number one on my list, of course, is the, the Russians, Russians. The <laughs> Russians. Still just blinking red lights and all, that one guy. But, uh, but for this one, we did get much more kind of moon based detail. And I thought that and was I will really good. say yeah. another little detail that I, I forgot to mention, which I like there, which was a bit of a moment was the Tracy sees the picture of Danielle getting off with her broken arm. And there's a sign somebody I think has put on it that says, don't let this, oh, happen, yeah, don't to let this happen to you. Yeah, it's and, a tough and I thought like, oh man, that's rough, right? Because like, that's the story. The story is she broke her arm and Tracy presumably knows that's not the case. We would, I would have to assume based on her, you know, dealing with Gordo after the fact that she knows what really went down. Yeah, um, you so, would think. But still, would think. It's that, quite, would be, that would be, a, yeah. Quite a thing for Danny and Gordo to be, don't let this happen to you. Right and and I hope they clean that up before Gordo yep. Gordo gets I was to the moon say, huh? before either of them go up there yeah yeah all right well um, we uh, we carried that weight but now we're gonna set it down uh, anything more before we rocket away for a week. <laughs> uh no i i you're right this episode there's not as much movement in this episode there's some table setting and it feels like sort of you know the montage takes up a bunch of it and that's sort of the heart of the episode yeah. but a lot of it is character moments and i think this show does do it has such good characters that i think it, it works even when the plot feels like it's a little a little bit of treading water or at the bottom of a swimming pool uh <laughs> it still works <laughs> this episode the show's just sitting down at the bottom of the swimming pool just, just trying to uh, deal with some stuff just pretty yeah uh, doing pretty good but you know it, it does yeah, doing pretty good it's it still it still works because yeah. i think yeah, there's enough enjoyment from the characters interacting with one another that you are willing to you know just sort of like i'm spending an hour with these people and that's even if i you know the plot doesn't necessarily rocket forward it's good yeah all right we will be back next week with another review of for all mankind uh but until then i have been uh, admiral jason snell and he has been cosmonaut dan morin and uh, we'll see you next week das vidanya.